0: Hello and welcome to The Single Girl's Guide to Life, your weekly guide to single life living in your 20s, 30s and 40s. I'm Chantelle Dyson, a single life empowerment coach, helping single women to embrace their single life so that they don't have to worry about their relationship status and can get out there and enjoy their life. And we deal with a whole range of topics on this podcast. And the thing that we're going to be discussing today comes from a message that I received on Instagram. I did answer it at the time, but it's one of those that I think that all of you might benefit from because it's one of those things that we just aren't taught. And this is all about having difficult conversations with your friends. Now what I share in today's episode will be applicable to many different scenarios and the concepts that we talk about but it seems to be that with our friends we don't feel that it's as easy to say something to them because they're our friends and we should just accept them as they are. It almost feels like in a relationship or dating context it's much easier to have difficult conversations because it feels like it's an accepted part of that whereas friends it's like I haven't had to do this before and so the DM that came in was something that instantly I knew I had some ideas for what this person could try and I understood the difficulty around expressing to your friends that you felt that they hadn't quite been there for you in the way that you wanted and that feels really awkward that feels like you're holding them to account for something, and you are, because ultimately you're not getting something that you want or need from that friendship the way that you want or expected to, and that's okay to be able to go back and say that, but we feel really awkward about it, and I don't know if that comes from the feeling of we're rocking the boat, the idea that as women we should, you know, just get on with things, accept them as they are, And not try to change people because if that's what they're presenting, that's what they're presenting. Now, the message that came in went a little bit like this said, hi, Chantel. I'm just wondering if you can help me with a little bit of advice. Technically speaking, coaches don't give advice, but I realize that people look to me for some level of advice. And I thought this one I could answer quite well. Because it is more of a strategy. I think mentoring feeds in well here when I think there's a strategy behind something. If someone wants me to make a decision for them, that's where coaching is better and I'll ask them a question back to allow them to make the decision themselves. Whereas this, as a strategy and technique for actually achieving what they want to achieve here, I think... Is more effective it's why I blend the two within the group coaching programs that we have the one-to-one coaching that I do with people and within our online community as well sometimes I'll share what I've learned and want to make a point of so that other people learn it too but also we have journal prompts that make people think about how they feel about a particular thing and there are all these different conflicting pieces of vices whenever you deal with things like that like let things be for example would be leaving it and accepting it exactly as it is but at the same time We're friends of our friends for a reason. We got on well, at least for some period of time. We had fun with them. We had an experience with them. And maybe this is a long-term friendship that you don't want to just lose, but maybe you've been able to identify something has changed and and that effect has directly impacted on your friendship, but you still don't want to lose that. And that's what this message that was sent in basically talks about. And I'll just share it with you I've been having a hard time with friends recently as a lot of them are in long-term relationships or new ones and they spend a lot of time with their significant others which is fine by me but I want a nice polite way of nudging them to be like hey maybe spend more time with your friends and I miss you without begging or making them feel like I'm telling them off. Do you have any words of wisdom? And obviously there's maybe some internal things for that person to consider because they say it's fine by me but and suddenly it feels like we're saying it's fine by me when actually it's just not fine by me and that's okay. The reality is, is that there's something that's not okay with this. I think the part is is that they accept that they have someone else in their life and that that's exciting and great for them, but that doesn't mean that they as an individual don't feel like they're missing their friend and the time they used to have with their friend, which maybe was just easier to get in the diary or just was made a priority, whereas now it's changed and it's different. And they know they're going to be okay with it, but they just need help in communicating it and keeping the friendship up. It ultimately is all about sharing your fears, your worries, or the things that you aren't getting from that. And we all have needs. We all have things that we want and we all have feelings and reactions when those things aren't there, particularly if it's changed, if you used to hang out all the time and, and now you don't. Friendships will change and the way that they look and the way that you interact as two people or a group of people will change over time. It would be naive to try to keep things the same so that they never changed at all. However, the stories that I hear of quite a lot is that, well, then they get a boyfriend and they're not around anymore. They're in a relationship and they don't really pay attention. And that's that kind of element of a new relationship energy and it's the excitement for that. And they potentially do compromise other Parts of their life to make time for this new person. And you might think, oh, I'm really being put to the bottom of the pile or just a couple of notches down. It's having a big impact. But you are entitled to talk about that and to come to some sort of compromise with your friends about it. You are not doing this to become a problem. You are doing this, one, for yourself in getting the things that you want and need, but two, in. Holding on to a friendship that you care about and you're not just going to let it go to the wayside and go, well, that's it. They're off. They've got somebody else. They don't need me anymore. There is an element that they probably can't be exactly the same and provide everything that they used to before. It's the same way that when your friends have children, it seems much easier to accept in some ways because there is physically a baby or a couple of children there that you're like, yeah, I can get that. Whereas it feels almost a bit like choice when it's a relationship. You are going to have to fill some of the bits that your friend provided yourself. You do have to take that responsibility. But this is where you might have done those things or this might just be part of the bigger picture of making sure that you don't lose that friend through this process. Now, the problem with difficult conversations is that we have rarely been taught to have them. We have rarely ever had it highlighted to us how to do it and the only models that we have generally are the models that we've experienced or witnessed and seen and been involved with which often can come from family in particular or friends it might even be that people that you know don't have difficult conversations and so you have no model and it turns into this i don't want to be the one that causes problems or it comes out as i hate confrontation that's the myth about difficult conversations This does not have to be confrontational. Difficult conversations when managed well are really, really effective. It's Tim Ferriss that said the quote, a person's success in life is measured by the number of uncomfortable conversations he or she is willing to have. I don't know where I picked that up. I don't actively listen to Tim Ferriss, but somehow it's got into my brain because the quote that I was recording before I looked that one up was, that I believed or thought I'd heard that someone had said, happiness directly correlates to the number of difficult conversations we're willing to have which is essentially the same thing Tim Ferriss goes down the idea of success whereas I go down the idea of or wherever I heard it goes down the idea of happiness and contentment and part of me thinks that it's Simon Sinek or Matthew Hussey that said something similar and I just happened to have found the Tim Ferriss quote so I don't know if it's an original developed thought from something that I heard and I've misheard or if I've genuinely heard someone say something like that it's It's in there. It's in my brain. And I believe it either way, even if it's not my original thought. And the reason for that is because I realised that in my experience, I was avoiding difficult conversations and they were leading to conflict within myself and upset and anger because I didn't feel I was getting the things I needed or wanted. But ultimately, it was me avoiding the conversation out of fear of what would be said, out of fear of the reaction of the consequence out of being a problem, whether that was in a work context, with friends, in dating, it would slightly differ on each of those fronts because difficult conversations in dating might lead to the fact that they don't want to date you anymore. And what does that tell you about yourself? And that's the spiral we can get ourselves into when in actual fact, the more difficult conversations I've had in dating, the more confidence that I feel in dating and the more well, I can't keep going with this, that I get to. Or when it comes to friends, it very much usually goes down quite well and and you end up having this deepened connection with them. And this comes from concepts that I read in Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I don't know if she explicitly says it, but to me, vulnerability breeds vulnerability. If you start being really truly, authentically vulnerable with someone and expressing something through a difficult conversation about how you feel and the effect it's having on you, it can create this further environment of sharing that further. And ultimately no one, no one can read your mind, no matter how close to you they are, how much they know you, no one can tell what you're thinking and feeling. And I, when in a relationship and when married, rarely considered, if ever, the experience of my single friends. I listened to what they had to say, but did I factor them in? And I spoke about that on a previous episode of the podcast that was talking about weddings. I never thought to go, do you want a lift with us? Because someone was on their own. I would usually wait for someone to say it. It wasn't in my awareness. It just wasn't something I was thinking about. And so your friends might not even have realised, they might have got carried away with a relationship. Or they just might not have thought about it for a while. Maybe they're distracted. Maybe their job's really stressful. Maybe something's going on. And it's one of those relationships where you're not keeping up all the time. So it feels like there's that distance. Now, the other thing that we can get wrong in difficult conversations is not listening. We sometimes go in with so much to say and that's what can make it kind of emotionally charged. It would be wrong to start having this conversation when you are emotionally driven by anger, upset, resentment. If that is the moment and you feel you can cope with it, then go for it. But sometimes that's going to tarnish the way that you deliver that information. Difficult conversations are best had as soon as possible. But when both people are in a state to communicate effectively, both from a delivery and receiving end of things, it comes back to this listening part. Because ultimately, sometimes we listen to reply rather than kind of listen to take it all in and and process it but it is important that you get it out bottling this up and then saving it up for when it comes up naturally is not going to fare you well because you'll always be like i want to say this but i don't know how and then it loses its time the opportunity goes and then you don't feel that you can say it and you've let that slide and it's things like that that used to contribute in my life to discontentment of Just letting things go and not saying anything made me feel worse because I wasn't in full alignment. I wasn't telling people when I was not okay with what had gone on in the way that they treated me. I don't judge their lives if it doesn't affect me, but if there's a direct impact or something that's going on, and I can find it really tough even now. Just because I am more willing to have those difficult conversations. Doesn't mean that I find them easy all the time. It doesn't mean that I don't get upset and scared about what's going to happen. It just means I'm willing to have them. So before you have the conversation, you need to have gone through a few different steps to be able to deliver this information effectively. Firstly, you need to have observed what it is that has triggered the feeling in you and what that feeling really is. Feelings are complex and they mean different things to different people, we also have subtleties between different things as well. I've found it an incredibly useful tool that when I feel something, I go to my phone, I google the words emotional wheel chart and it generally brings up a colourful rainbow wheel of all these different words for the different emotions. And I sit and I pick out the, usually the one that works the best. And it's interesting that I will often go, oh, no, it's not anger. It's fear. Or it's not this. It's not that one. No, it's not that. It's this. And I do that for the the happier ones as well as the sadder ones. Because it's really interesting to know the subtleties in the difference of what feelings really are and what they really mean. But you're gonna need to be able to acknowledge this within yourself. And it also helps you to start understanding what you're feeling when you're going through it so initially it might be anger and that's what's coming out and that's why you get angry when someone's canceled on you or when someone says they can't see you for 3 weeks but that's the initial reaction what's really sitting underneath that is that you feel you feel undervalued you don't feel like a priority and that might mean that you then feel lonelier because there's that distance between the two of you that wasn't there before And all of that is useful exploration just for you to know better about yourself. But it will also start to form the conversation that you have with another person. Now, the other thing that you need to be aware of when you think about going into this conversation is what you would like to happen for a positive change to occur. And it has to be reasonable and fair. If this is, for example, someone who has introduced a new person into their life because they're dating, you aren't going to be able to turn around and tell them that they can't date them. So I don't think you should date that person anymore. For us to stay friends, you're going to need to end that relationship. Obviously, that's extreme and too far. It's not a thing. But you can get some clarity on what you would like to happen bearing in mind that other person your friend's needs and wants and desires at the time. So in the scenario that they are spending more time with a potential partner and someone they're dating, you would just go in with something along the lines of, so I'd really like it if we could keep finding the time each week to catch up. I'd really like it if we could put a date in the diary over the next few weeks to make sure that I get to see you and get to talk to you properly. Come up with what you would like in that ideal scenario whilst being fair to your friend, and make sure that you have crystal clear ideas about what you want to happen. And what this is leading up to is something that I learned through, it was actually through counselling that this one came up. I'd come across it before. We then practised it a bit there and I execute it all the time. And this is I statements. I statements are used because they are less confrontational than other methods of trying to address problems. And the reason that they are less confrontational is because they focus on you because everything that you say is I. Whereas we have this tendency to go into conversations like this with blame. We consider the fact that they're the one doing the action. They're the one that made me feel that way. So it's their problem. You need to do something. You need to change because I I feel like this. But you need to stop making me feel this way. And ultimately, that is going to lead to maybe someone being defensive. Whereas I statements, on the other hand, go in centred on you, which might feel really uncomfortable because you're like, but it's not my fault. It's not their fault either. They're just living their life. You would like something different from them. Yes, it's changed. Life changes. And how we feel can be considered by other people, but ultimately is not their responsibility. It is ours. And it's not a problem to have those feelings but it's what we do with them as a result. So do you sit there and try to work through them yourself? Or do you actually take this action to carry out an I statement, which I'll go through in a second, so that some positive change and positive effect can take place and so that you don't have to feel that way? Still not that person's responsibility to sort it out. You're asking them to help you with it and you think that then changing this slightly will contribute. But it's down to you to communicate that in a fair way to them effectively so that change can occur. So an I feel statement is made up of three to four parts. We'll go with the three parts first. And those parts start with the word usually, I feel. And then you go into what has happened that caused that. And the reason behind why that thing has made you feel the way that you do. Now I actually don't like that order. I tend to go down the I noticed route. Because that allows me to work out what I'm talking about. It's more of an observation and just, oh, it's a little bit more casual. So you're noticing the change. You're noticing the difference. And again, in this scenario, I notice you spend a lot of time with your boyfriend. is not going to go down well. Versus I notice that we don't spend as much time together anymore. I've noticed that I haven't seen you in a while. I notice that we're not hanging out as much as we used to. Nothing mentions the long-term relationships. Nothing. It comes back to the scenario that's between the two of you. Sometimes there won't be a way to get around the direct thing, but try to bring it back to the thing between you and the person you're talking to. And I'm feeling a little bit down and lonely because I don't get to speak to you anymore. And I don't know if I'm catching up with you the way that I want to, because our friendship is important to me. And I feel like it's not the same as it used to be. So you've got this, the I feel backed up with the because. And sometimes they're a little bit blurry because you're just explaining the meaning behind your feeling. And then comes the kind of fourth part which is the I need bit. So it's some way that you convey the need that you would like. And you don't have to say the words I need. It it can depend on the scenario because need implies that it's necessary, whereas want suggests that it's like a preference. But there are different ways to structure it. But to go back to the very simple version would be you've got what it is that's causing the issue, the way you feel about it and why that makes you feel the way it does. And then what you would like to happen next, the needs that you have. So if we structure this fully, I noticed that we aren't spending as much time together anymore. I haven't seen you for ages and I really want to be able to spend time with you. When we don't get to catch up regularly, I feel lonely and like we don't even know what's going on in each other's lives anymore. It'd be great if we could put a date in the diary over the next week or so. And that's pretty much the answer that I gave to the person. In fact, let me get the exact thing up. So I structured it with, because this was going to be a text message. Again, it's slightly different in delivery. It can feel really jarring to try and say it in person because you're trying to think of all the different parts. But in a text, this can be really effective. And sometimes when we think about having different conversations, we think, oh, it's better to do it in person. Something like this, though, it can actually be advantageous to do via text because you get a chance to structure this. So this was how I decided to follow up to this message hey blah blah because i didn't know their name how are you doing i wondered if you'd be around for a catch-up soon it feels like i haven't seen you for a while and when that happens i feel a bit lonely because i think you might have forgotten about me silly i know but it does make me worry would we be able to get a date in the diary in the next week or so so it's not just this plain when you do this i feel like this because and i need this Obviously, that's a vague structure. And what I've done there is taken those elements and put it into a friendlier manner. And obviously, it's spoken in the way that I speak. You don't need to put the silly I know, but it does make me worry. But to me, that adds a little bit of acknowledging that I don't probably need to worry about this based on the friendship that we've got. But uh, it is worrying me. And that person, I don't know what happened for the person that this came back for, but she was very excited that there was something, a structure to at least go away with and start with. And she said, thanks, thanks for getting back to me, really appreciate it. Um, but she, what was important to her is that she didn't want to make them feel bad and didn't want to accuse them of anything. I statements are brilliant for that. You aren't accusing anyone of anything. What have I accused that person of there? Nothing. I've said I noticed that we're not spending as much time together. I didn't say why I said why it made me feel that way I said it worries me and I feel like you might have forgotten me I didn't go down the route of any level of attacking their approach in dating or being jealous that there's somebody else on the scene taking up your time with your friend it lacked any emotional charge and it was a mature approach to something that is having an effect on my life. And if we could all have conversations like that, we would just all understand each other better. We wouldn't take things so personally because things hadn't been delivered in a personal way. We would understand how other people feel and that our friends still want us in their lives. And sometimes it is not something that that person can even work on. It is a shame when you have delivered something maybe in the fairest, nicest, most open way and been vulnerable... And whilst they might say something really positive initially, they then don't deliver. They put the diary date in and then they cancel or they cancel and never follow up again. And you can try again. But at the same time, there comes a point where you have given the information over. You've done your part. You've said your piece. And you can no longer entertain that anymore. And you just, you don't message anymore. And that's okay too. We have to accept what people are giving us and offering us. And if what they put on offer is not okay, that it doesn't respect you in any particular way because they cancel or because they do just forget about you and they don't seem that interested, then it is time to potentially find new friends that fit in with that. And there's lots of different ways to deliver information. My one, I often come back to time. I hate it when people cancel on me. I care too much about my time and I put people in my diary. It is a thing. My diary is really busy. So don't cancel on me because I want to catch up with you and you've been enough of a priority for me to allocate you a certain number of hours or a day or whatever it might be. And sometimes it's because I miss that person that I'm disappointed when they then cancel or it is just sometimes like, I could have used that time better, especially if someone's canceled on me late. And the thing is, with all of these techniques and the way that you communicate... You you use the same things for family. You use the same things in a relationship. It was the interview with Cheryl Muir where we discussed the idea that everything that you do with your friends in terms of communication is just practice for a relationship later down the line. And I know that I use this quite a lot when I'm dating and someone has disappointed me. And sometimes the tone is necessary to change. With your friends, you are more willing. You're more encouraging that this goes well. In a dating scenario where they've cancelled an hour before. No, I'm not going to keep accepting it. It's not okay. And you can notice the way that I'm already talking about it tells you that the way that I wrote what I can see and read back now on my WhatsApp is not as friendly as the one that I curated for a friendship scenario. It was a little bit more direct in where I was determining that this was going. If that person turned around and said, look, I am so sorry, let's rearrange, I may, may have given them a chance. This person never acknowledged what was said. And that's okay. Someone needs to know what I value. And if they're not going to value that, they're not the right person for me. And that's okay. Not everybody is for you. You're not meant to get on with everybody. You're not meant to be friends with everybody. They're not all meant to work with you. And that can be the problem with us trying to people please. But having those difficult conversations eliminates people that are going to mess me around time-wise. They're going to allow you to maintain friendships with the people that care about you enough to look at their behaviour, to go, oh, look, yeah, I've gotten a bit distracted with lover boy and I probably do need to put some time in to see you. It's been so long. And in the reality, they're probably going, God, I never realised that you felt like that. Gosh, let's make sure we put something in the diary. I don't want you to feel like that. There's usually quite a positive response to these types of things. And as I say, I use it use It all the time in a less structured way than just I statements, but it's something that I really think can help us. And where I now deliver this within BSHA, guess what I put in there? I talk to the kids about I statements and how to not have confrontational conversations because they're not that helpful. Obviously, sometimes that's going to happen. You're learning, everybody learns how to have these, and they feel real awkward because it feels really prescribed. But I promise you that the more you do it, the better you get at it text messages allow you to structure it first and don't put so much pressure on the live element of it when i'm in a live scenario and i'm doing this i'm probably less structured i just try to use i a lot and i feel because i think that that has the the less blame the minute you try to go down the you a lot it can make them feel defensive so you've got to think about how you communicate effectively to get what you want and It goes for all scenarios. But friends is the place to start. They're the place that you're most likely to have the strongest level of success because hopefully you've got a foundation to build on and they want to keep seeing you. They just might've got distracted. They might've got carried away. They might've not known how you felt or anything like that. And we have to be vulnerable enough and open enough to say something and brave enough, have that courage to move forward and say, please, can I just see you? (laughs) This is the kind of thing that People share their wins for in our online community, the Single Girls Club Online, where there is a whole space to discuss challenges that we face as single people with communicating our needs to our friends, to dealing with weddings, all kinds of different things. And it's the thing that keeps this podcast going. So if you want to join our community online, then head to the description and sign up to the Single Girls Club online we have a tight-knit community there are journal prompts zooms to take part in as well so that you actually get to virtually meet some of these people and can feel that positivity towards single life personal development and just enjoying everything about your life even the really hard bits and overcoming the fear of having those conversations until next time everybody keep celebrating single life together